I'm sure that many of you have seen the show House Hunters on the HGTV network. I sometimes will watch it with my sister and brother-in-law when I'm in Barrington on my night off. As homeowners, they really enjoy the show. In case you haven't seen it, the format of the program is really pretty simple. A couple, hopefully heterosexual and married, is shown three houses by a realtor, each of which they have the opportunity to purchase. These are previously owned homes, and they're chosen for this particular couple because they have the features, the amenities that the couple's looking for, and they are priced within the price range that the couple can afford. The drama of the program, if you can call it that, comes in trying to figure out which of the three homes the couple will finally decide to buy at the end of the show. By the way, I never pick the one that they pick. <laughs> I don't know why, but... Anyway, the decision is often difficult for them because none of the homes they get to see is perfect in every way. Each falls short of the ideal. To some extent, each of them is imperfect. For example, in the first house, the kitchen might be too small. In the second home, the bathrooms might need to be remodeled. In the third home, some walls might need to be torn down or repaired. So part of the decision-making process involves figuring out how they're going to deal with and eventually fix these imperfections. Now, I mention all this today for a reason. I mention it because our scripture readings this morning present us with three different houses not to buy, but to reflect on for our spiritual growth. In the first reading, King David expresses a desire. He expresses a desire to build God a house, a temple, temple for God to dwell in and for the people of Israel to worship in. And God responds to that by saying to David, in effect, well, thank you very much, David, for your offer, but building a temple for me is going to be your son's job. It's not going to be your job. And then God begins to talk to David about another house, another kind of house, namely a dynasty, a dynasty that's going to last forever. The Lord says, and when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, David, I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house, your house, and your kingdom shall endure forever. Your throne shall stand firm forever. As Catholic Christians, we know that that promise was fulfilled with today's Gospel story, the Annunciation, and with everything that followed afterward in the New Testament. In other words, it was fulfilled with the coming of Jesus Christ, and especially with his resurrection, because in and through the resurrection, Jesus reigns as King forever, the King of all creation. Notice how St. Luke mentions the fact that Joseph was of the house of David. He was a descendant of David, and according to some of the fathers of the church, so was our Blessed Mother. 
Which brings us to the third house we find in these readings. The first house was the temple in Jerusalem. The second house was the Davidic dynasty that culminated with the coming of Jesus. And the third house is none other than Mary, our Blessed Mother. At the moment she said those well-known words to Gabriel that we heard a few moments ago, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. At that moment, Mary became, physically speaking, the dwelling place, the house, if you will, that Jesus Christ resided in for the first nine months of his life on this earth. Remember, our first nine months of life, those take place in the womb. We can sometimes forget that. But of course, our Lord always dwelt in Mary's house by faith and by love. And so that, in that sense, our Blessed Mother was always our Lord's house. And she was a perfect house. Unlike the homes you see on that program, House Hunters, Mary's house, that is to say, her life, was perfect. Her life was without sin. Which brings us, finally, to our house. And here I'm not talking about the building we happen to live in. Now, this last house wasn't specifically mentioned in our readings today, but it was alluded to in that second reading we heard from Romans 16. There, St. Paul talks about the gospel being proclaimed to people like you and me so that we will come to the obedience of faith. That is a great expression, biblically. The obedience of faith. St. Paul makes that statement, uses that expression in Romans 1 and also again here in Romans 16. At the beginning and end of the book, that's how important he considers that ideal to be. And I think it's important for us to know that expression and to really focus on it because, as we all know, many Christians today and even, sad to say, many Catholics, try to separate those realities. They try to separate faith from obedience. They say, well, I believe, I have faith, so I really don't have to obey. God still loves me, I'm still okay. That's the wrong attitude to have. According to St. Paul in this text, the attitude of every Christian should be, I believe, therefore, I obey. Because I have faith, I make the effort each and every day to live in obedience to Jesus Christ and his gospel. That should be our attitude. But of course, we don't always obey, do we? And this is why, unlike Mary, we need to get our imperfect houses cleaned every once in a while. In the confessional. Sometimes a light cleaning is all that's required, and sometimes a major cleaning is needed. Which leads to the obvious question, I think, did you get your house cleaned? Did you get your house cleaned at some point during this season of Advent? Hopefully you did. But if you didn't, don't worry, we'll have cleaning services available next Saturday as well, 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. 
Comparing our lives to houses, as I've done in this homily, can help us to understand a number of things. As I've said in this homily, indicated in this homily, it can help us to understand our Blessed Mother's holiness. It can help us to understand our own need for forgiveness and cleansing. And it can also help us to understand something else that's really important. It can help us to understand why Almighty God allows certain sufferings in our lives. St. Thomas Aquinas would say that God allows evil sometimes. He doesn't cause it ever, but he sometimes allows it for the sake of a greater good. Ultimately, that means he allows it so that we'll grow in holiness, so that we will become more like Mary, a more fitting house for Jesus to dwell in here on this earth, and eventually in eternity. C.S. Lewis wrote something along these lines in his very famous book, Mere Christianity, and I'll leave you this morning with his words because I think he says this a lot better than I ever could. If you're dealing with a difficult cross in your life right now, and I know many of you are, you'll hopefully derive some encouragement from what C.S. Lewis says here. He writes, Imagine yourself as a living house. That should be pretty easy to do after hearing this homily. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. 